It is great to have you all here in worship today as we turn to God's Word. We are preaching from the book of Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, primarily this year. And today we're going to be turning in a few minutes to our central passage from Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 40, verses 3 through 11. Isaiah 43 through 11. But before we do, let me go ahead and introduce uh, the sermon today and the sermon title, God's Coming, Drop Everything. God's Coming, Drop Everything. And then three directives beyond that. See his glory, be saved, and shout the news. See his glory, be saved, and shout the news. First of all, God's coming. Drop everything else. In the days leading up to Jesus' public ministry, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, those first three Gospels in the New Testament, tell us that a very wild, bold, impactful prophet by the name of John the Baptist, John the Baptizer, was bringing a new ministry of prophecy after over 400 years of silence, no prophecy to the Jews, to the people of Israel. John the Baptist emerged, he wore camel's hair clothing, he ate wild locusts and honey, and he directed his ministry centering in the Judean desert or wilderness, the, the Eremos, uh, fairly near Jerusalem, but out towards the Dead Sea and in that whole Aravah region uh, that, that goes through uh, the Rift Valley there, heading towards the Dead Sea. And John the Baptist had a message, a fire and brimstone message of repentance. John came in the Judean wilderness or desert preaching, repent, because the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, and you are not ready for God. Now, John was preaching this to people who claimed to believe in God, who claimed to be the chosen people of God. In fact, were the chosen people of God, but John the Baptist's message is, you're not ready. You're not ready to face God. You're not ready for God. And John preached, uh, and what the Gospels tell us, what Matthew, Mark, and Luke tell us is that as he preached this baptism of repentance, this message of repentance, and called the people to be baptized for repentance from sin, that this was a fulfillment of a very famous verse from the Hebrew scriptures, from what we read as Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3. A voice cries out in the wilderness, in the desert, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight paths, because God is coming. In the fourth gospel, in John's gospel, we read that when the religious authorities in Jerusalem sent out Levites and priests out into the Judean wilderness or desert, they came to ask John by what authority John was baptizing because he wasn't an authorized agent of the temple authorities. He was not a, a sanctioned uh, provider of mikvah, ritual baptisms or cleansing uh, Methods, So they, they said, by, by what authority are you doing? Who are you? 
are you the Christ? Do you claim to be the Christ, the Messiah? John said, no. Are, are you, do you claim to be Elijah or the prophet, the one promised by Moses at the end of Deuteronomy, uh, at the end of the book? Of, do you claim to be the prophet? No. Well, by what authority are you baptizing? And John responded and said, this is who I am. A voice crying out in the desert, prepare the way of the Lord. He said, I am a voice of one crying out in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord, as Isaiah the prophet said, that's who I am. Well, if he's the one that Isaiah chapter 40 is talking about, doesn't that also mean that God himself is about to come to Jerusalem and Zion? Yes. The question to people 2,000 years ago, even the best and brightest and supposedly most religious among the Jews, and the question to you and to me today is, are you ready? God's coming. And let me say, this is a lot nicer version than John the Baptist would say to you. Drop everything else. Drop everything else. But I'm busy and I've got to take my kids to this event and I've got this going on. Drop everything else. God's coming. You know, it's not just John that said our whole lives need to be a preparation for God's coming. It's actually Jesus. You may remember Jesus tells a whole lot of parables, and these parables can disturb us if we actually take Jesus seriously, because some of these parables, in some of these parables, Jesus is talking about people who aren't ready. And if they're not ready for his coming, they're going to be judged and cast into the outer darkness. Does that wake you up? I mean, you know, people who, whose lamps... Bridesmaids whose lamps are not full of oil don't get into the party. So, so Jesus gives a series of parables about being ready for his coming. Are you ready? If Jesus arrived this afternoon, is your house in order? Is your family ordered around Jesus? If you're watching online, it, it, is your house, is your heart in order? Is it all about God, God's way, God's house, God's glorification? Hmm? Are you ready? What the Bible is telling you, parents, what the Bible is telling you, drop everything else, put everything else in a totally second place and make God and the Lord's coming the heart of what you do, how you organize your week, your children, your life, your priorities. God's coming, drop everything else. So let's turn to this amazing and very well-known passage of scripture. It bridges off and carries us forward from what we looked at in last week's sermon on Isaiah chapter 40, verses one and two. And I wanna thank those of you who told me how much that sermon on turning the page 
meant to you and also to understanding what God's gospel is all about. So we continue with that theme today. Last week we looked at, you know, comfort, comfort ye my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem's heart, okay? Uh, and then the three promises, the three commitments that I said basically give us the blueprint for the rest of the Old Testament all the way through uh, the four gospels and Jesus is coming. Well, we pick up from Isaiah chapter 40 from verse two, these, these commitments speak tenderly to the heart of Jerusalem, cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for her all her sins. Those three points again frame out Isaiah 40 through 66, the rest of the Old Testament all the way through the gospels. Well, we get a further elaboration of the blueprint here. So today, Isaiah, chapter 40, verses 3 through 11. Three stanzas, three voices, three messages that interrelate. Hear now God's word. A voice cries, in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord, the mouth of Yahweh, has spoken. Next stanza. A voice says, cry. And I said, what shall I cry? Here it is. Here's the message. All flesh is grass. And all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades when the breath of Yahweh, of the Lord, blows on it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. And then third stanza. Go up on a high mountain, O Zion herald of good news. And yes, this is the word from which through the Septuagint, we get the word for good news in the New Testament. Yes. Herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength. O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up. Fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, behold your God. Behold. Adonai Yahweh, behold, the Lord God, the sovereign Lord, comes with might, and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his recompense before him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Friends, the grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God will stand forever. Amen. God's coming, drop everything in the now. See his glory. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 5. The Lord's glory will be revealed and all flesh will will see it together. 
is Isaiah chapter 40, verses 3 through 5. Good news or bad news? You tell me. If you don't want everything in your current life and with your current situation upended, it's bad news. Because every valley is going to be lifted up. The poor people are going to be raised. Those in great need will be exalted. And everybody who's proud and high and mighty is going to be brought low. The hills and the mountains will be leveled. Because God's coming. Is this good news? Well, remember the backdrop of this particular prophecy. We've dealt with this from the pivot chapters of 36 through 39. Uh, we're dealing at least immediately in Isaiah's life with the threat that had been there that Sennacherib, as the grand king, was going to be arriving in Jerusalem. And you know what it was like in the ancient days, right? You're either going to get killed by the coming king or you're going to bow down to him. Now, that's the context. That's the ancient world. And there would be a, a royal procession as the ruler shows up. That was the threat in the late 700s for Jerusalem and Judah. As we said, Sennacherib took out every other city. But God did not allow Sennacherib to take Jerusalem in 701 through the miracle of deliverance. But, but that's kind of the image. But now, all of a sudden, you know, we've been worried about Sennacherib coming. And in the future, yeah, Nebuchadnezzar, he, he will, his people will come. They'll destroy Jerusalem in the 580s, just like Isaiah's prophesying. Like, that's way out in the future. But what is this going on with God coming? Well, not only will God upend everything when he comes, not only will what we think we have our trust in be totally jumbled, you know, the valleys raised up, the proud and the mighty and the powerful brought low, stuff taken away from people who are clinging on to it, you know, that whole thing, the valleys, the mountains. But wait a minute, this is even more intimidating than what I just said, because God himself is coming in his glory. Now, let me explain this to you if you don't know about God and the Bible. This is a running theme in the Hebrew scriptures in the, in the Old Testament. Nobody can see God and live. You will be decimated in the presence of holy God unless he by his grace allows you. So even the greatest of the great of his entire historical epoch of the Jews, Moses, when Moses asked to see, so I just want to ask one thing of you, God. Let me see your glory. This is in Exodus 33 and 34, okay? God responds to Moses. I mean, the holiest man of, of all the Israelites. And says, you have no idea what you're asking. No human being can see my face and live. My glory will destroy you. You're a sinful, fallen person. Even the best among you. God says. And this is the thing that runs throughout the Old Testament. So if God is coming, and he's coming in all his glory, then unless we get some kind of deliverance here, we're all in deep trouble. And as this passage emphasizes, just to make this very clear, we're like a dry piece of grass in the desert. How long do dry pieces of grass last in the desert? Not very long. That's all we are. And you know what? That's all Assyria is. It's a blade of grass. 
You know what? That's all Babylon is going to be, a blade of grass that God can just blow away with his breath. That's all the British Empire was. That's all Napoleon was. That's all the United States of America is, a blade of grass. Who are you? Are you a member of the kingdom of God or an American? At a certain point, you have to make a decision. And let me just tell you, God is making it very clear in 2021 what the blade of grass is and who is eternal. So, so that's all going on here. And the question is, is this good news or bad news that God is coming? I know Handel likes to write music about all this, and we go ahead and read, and the glory of the Lord and all flesh will see it together. Well, no flesh can survive seeing the glory of the Lord. So when you get to Isaiah 40, verse 5, we got a wide open question here. Are you ready to see God? Are you somehow better than Moses? Are you better than a blade of grass? So is this good news or bad news? And here's the question, does God come to destroy or to deliver? When God comes for you, is it to destroy and to judge or to deliver and save? All flesh will see it together. So here's the question mark. Initially, I was saying it confidently, but right now, as grappling with this scripture, I got to put this question mark. You can see it in the notes on be saved. Are we going to be saved? It's kind of a question mark right now as we're in the middle of this passage. Isaiah chapter 40, verses 6 through 8. A second voice puts everything into this further realistic perspective about the grass. And you know what? Let me just tell you. If we ended at Isaiah chapter 40, verse 7, we'd basically be, we'll just go back and read Job again. It's really not looking very good, you know. Uh, when the breath of the Lord blows on the grass, it's gone. And that's all we are. So here are some questions that we need to grapple with. Does God want to save us? Does God want to save us? This is right before us here in the middle of this by the time we get in the middle of the second stanza of this passage we've read today, does God want to save us? Can he save us? Does he have the power? Or are Assyria and Babylon and the Taliban and whoever else more powerful than God? He sure would like to save us, but you know what? Uh, the devil's got him beat right now. You know, it's just not going to happen. Does God want to save us? Can he save us? Well, even if he can save us, will he save us? A lot of times in church and as Christians, we take this for granted. Well, obviously God would save us. Why? What have you done? <laughs> what have we done to warrant being with God forever? Nothing. And that's when we get to the gospel, the gospel turn of Isaiah chapter 40, verse 8. And, and, and this is what over Peter, over in 1 Peter, says this is the gospel when he quotes this passage. Because when you get to verse 8, Peter says, this is the gospel of your salvation. What am I talking about? We do all fade away. But you know what rises up forever? And the Hebrew there literally means like rise up forever. Okay, rise up forever. What stands? What stands the test of time? The word of God. And his promises of salvation to his people are sure, even in the face of our sin 
and our failures and our international catastrophes. That's a word we need to hear. That is the gospel. That is the gospel. The grass withers. The flowers fade. But the word of our God will rise up, stand forever. God does promise to save us. And his word, his gospel of grace is so sure that you can't mess it up. Isn't that awesome? All the rulers of the world, all the terrorists of the world, all the arrogant politicians of the world cannot mess this gospel up. Amen? Amen. That, that's the good news. The grass withers. All these empires are going down. All these people who are against God are going down. But his word will rise up and stand forever. And the word became flesh and tabernacled with us. And we have seen his glory. Wait a minute, I thought we couldn't see the glory of God. Yeah, you know what? Isn't Jesus awesome? <laughs> Isn't Jesus just so... We have seen his glory, the glory as of the one and only come from the Father, full of, what, judgment and destruction? No, full of grace and truth. The law came from Moses, John says. Grace and truth come from Jesus. So then let's move on to the third stanza. Yes, we can trust in his word. Now... Uh, you know, Isaiah has apparently, you know, in the second stanza, responded to his recommissioning now once again. But it's not just a, a commissioning for Isaiah. He is supposed to bring this testimony to God's word. And that notwithstanding everything else that is happening and is going to happen in the coming centuries, God's word will stand forever. But now we get a calling on an entire people, Zion or Jerusalem. Because here's the way God is going to save us. Not only is he coming in general, he's coming to Jerusalem. It's being prophesied right here. God himself will come from the desert. Where was Jesus baptized by John, that guy I was talking about earlier? And then where does Jesus show up for the grand proclamation and salvation and showdown? Jerusalem. Now, be saved and shout the news. Go up on a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up, fear not. Say to the cities of, Ju of Judah, behold your God. Behold, the sovereign Lord comes with might and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. Now, what is this talking about? He's got to reward what belongs to him. If you go over, you'll remember a few weeks ago, I told you, just re be reading back and forth around the pivot passages that we looked at from Isaiah 36 through 39. Back on the other side of that pivot or that axis, you get the grand climax of Isaiah 35, talking about the same kind of things. Let's just go over there and look at that again briefly. Isaiah 35. It pairs with Isaiah 40. You got to get the same themes going on here. Isaiah 35, the wilderness 
and the dry land, do you see that? That's a doublet. And the dry land is a term that means total devastation. It's not just that we're actually out in a desert, as we would call it. It means the place where you have nothing and you're totally desolate, okay? That's what that word means there. You may not be living in a desert, but you are maybe in a desert right now, okay? It's dry, spiritually dry, emotionally dry. And you don't know what's gonna happen with COVID tomorrow or the next crisis the following week, right? It's dry. The wilderness and the dry land, the wasteland is the way I would translate that Hebrew. The wilderness and the wasteland, that's what the midbar really is. Um, and that's why this, this doublet is telling you that. Shall be glad. And the desert, the Aravah, shall rejoice and blossom like a crocus. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it, the majesty of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord. You see these, these couplings together? They shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God, strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who have an anxious heart. Anybody here have an anxious heart? Here's what God is saying to you. Be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and not destroy you, but save you. What is the recompense? What does he have as a result of what he's done? Well, this passage, and particularly Isaiah 40, as I told you, is a blueprint for the rest of Isaiah. And what did we talk about around Holy Week time on Palm Sunday and Easter Sunday? Isaiah 52, 13 through Isaiah 53. The servant who is pierced for our transgressions, who becomes the atoning sacrifice for our sins. He's pierced for our transgressions. By his stripes, you are healed. And then what did we see in the final stanza of that passage, of that fourth servant song? He sees light in the morning. What does that mean? He rises again. And now he's coming for his reward. Do you see it? Isaiah 35, and where we are, let's go back to Isaiah 40. He's coming and his reward is before him. What's his reward? John wanted it to be hellfire and brimstone right now, right this minute, <laughs> wipe all the bad people out, right? But that's not the way Jesus came. That's not the way this is prophesying here. We're talking about the first coming of Jesus here. And how does he come? Is he gonna destroy us with his glory or save us? Well, the final verse in this third stanza gives us the answer. And if you don't see Jesus in this passage, you don't know Jesus. I really wanna to talk to you and pray with you after this service. Just listen to this. How's he gonna come for his reward? What is his reward? It's a bunch of sheep. And this is incredible. Look at, look at this. Verse 11, Isaiah 40. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. You can't get more polar opposite than what is going on in Kabul right now than this. And this is what God wants to give to you. This is what you get when he comes. So, 
He is so good. His gospel of grace is so great. What is Zion supposed to do? Go to the rooftops, go to the mountaintops and shout the news. Share this with other folks. Guess what, Christians? By the grace of God, we now are part of Zion. You, if you believe in Jesus, you're part of Zion. So what are your marching orders? Just like we said last Sunday, the Great Commission. But I'm kind of shy, and I'm not sure I really understand this stuff. Very. Look, are you a believer? You understand this. I just told you what this is all about, too. Just go back and look at the notes. Share the news. Share the news with others. Name the name of Jesus. This is a world living in darkness and deception desperately. People are desperate for good news, for real light and truth. You are the messengers. Zion, spread the news. Shout the news. Well, I'm kind of quiet. I'm kind of an introvert. Shout the news. Make it abundantly clear who you are and whose you are, who your Lord is. Parents, teach your children to pray for boldness in the faith and to be equipped when they come here on Sundays and when you do your family devotions with them out in the week. I'm so excited about all the equipping we're giving to our parents now with our new education. Look, equip them to tell others about Jesus and what the Bible is all about, what the good news is all about. This is how God saves his people and this is the gospel grace commission and claim on you. Shout and share the news. God is great. God is good. And God has sent his son. He has come to us. He's come to Jerusalem, just like it was prophesied. And he delivers you and calls even little lambs, even moms with little babies unto himself and protects them and blesses them. God's coming. There's nothing more important in all the world. Drop everything else. See him, see his glory, be saved, and shout the news. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, now and forever. Amen.